Welcome to the author's show of entrepreneurship and regional development podcasts. Each publication in our journal is a great opportunity to share significant and audacious contributions to a large audience. My guest today is Sue Kilpatrick. She's from the Faculty of Education, University of Tasmania, Launceston, Australia. She co-authored a paper with Jane Farmer, Sheridan Emery, and Tracy Dakota. It is entitled Social Enterprises and Regional Cities, Working Together for Mutual Benefit. So, welcome to our podcast. Thank you, Vincent. Can you tell Great us? Can you tell us what is the origin of your paper? Why have you decided to address this particular topic? And what is the question you aim to answer? Well, it, the, the story of this paper is actually quite convoluted. It came out of a large research project funded by the Australian Research Council that was about social enterprises uh, with an international team of people who'd lived in the highlands and islands of Scotland and who'd lived in regional Australia, and some of them had lived in both. Uh, we had the shared interest in well-being, believe it or not, which you might not gather from the topic of the paper, um, and also social enterprises and how they contributed to well-being. We come from a multidisciplinary background. Uh, the authors on this paper are, have a strong uh, social capital theoretical uh, research experience, but some of our colleagues were interested in um, microgeography and a, a very place-based approach um, to how social enterprises create well-being for people we call participants, generally marginalised or disadvantaged people. And that was at two levels, both within social enterprises and within the regional cities. So this, the paper that we're talking about today concentrates much more on the social capital uh, framework and the social capital analysis. But the richness of, of the project is really that it crosses uh, disciplines and, and crosses methodologies. Uh, so we've, uh, we've selected uh, two research questions for this particular paper. The first one is how do social enterprises interact with other actors in regional cities to realise outcomes for participants? So that's really, we're really curious, not just about what happens inside the walls or in the case of uh, one of our enterprises, the gardens of the social enterprise, but what has a regional city got to do with it and how can it contribute? And the other question is um, what, are, what benefits do social enterprises realise in and for the regional city? So this is a flip side. And so beyond the, the realisation of benefits for their participants, um, social capital, as um, some of your listeners may know, is all about uh, using resor resources ideally for mutual benefit. People only do things if there's, they, they can choose to contribute or not their social capital resources. So we're really interested in, in how social enterprises use the, pla the place they're in. It's, a, it's a very much a place-based project. The whole, the whole project was, was place-based. So how do you use the resources of your place to produce outcomes for participants and what, is, what can your place um, get, out of, um, get out of having social enterprises in them? And the answer is heaps, lots, um, very, it, it, and certainly well beyond the, um, the, the well-being of participants. We found the expected sorts of things that participants in social enterprises learnt things, they gained confidence, they gained skills, some of them got employment. Um, and there was social inclusion, 
But we also found, even before we get to the benefits of, at the big regional city level, that the, the people who are perhaps customers of the social enterprises also gained um, rich, different experiences and came to understand social inclusion. The, and the key to, to the project was really the fact that social enterprises have dual missions. They have a social mission to do good for the, the people that they're working with and better their lives. But they also have an economic mission. They're enterprises, right? And this journal's about entrepreneurship in regional cities. So we, we looked at uh, four different enterprises in two each in two regional Australian cities. Um, ethics required them to be anonymized. Uh, regional cities in Australia are a beast that you don't find, every, well, you do find them around the world, but they don't have the same name. So they're a city that has a rural hinterland, basically. They're not capital cities or big metropolitan areas. So populations around 80, 100, 100 odd thousand is typical. And that's where our, our cities were. Um, Pre-COVID, they were, regional cities often had area pockets of big disadvantage and which was a characteristic, uh, an overarching characteristic. We've noticed with COVID that many um, wealthier people have moved into our regional cities, but they still have pockets of disadvantage. But this is a pre pre-COVID um, project. So you've got social enterprises in disadvantaged places. Um, we're also interested in the topic because social enterprises have become an increasingly popular policy response in light of uh, particularly more conservative governments around the world. They rather like the idea of enterprise and, and, and people working their way out of disadvantage, if you like. So there's quite a lot of support in Europe, uh, certainly in Europe and, and definitely in Australia for, for social enterprises. So back to our dual social and economic mission, we had four enterprises. Uh, three of them were what are known as WISES, which is a catchy acronym for Work Integrated Social Enterprises. So they were very much work focused. The fourth one was um, a community centre that, that had a lot of, uh, uh, had a lot of um, small social enterprises. So it ran um, an op shop, an opportunity shop. That's an Australian term, but uh, you buy secondhand clothes, you know, that kind of shop. Um, it had a community garden and sold its produce. Um, and it ran a uh, home cleaning service for disadvantaged people, but also a commercial cleaning service for um, some of the businesses around. The other, the other, one of the others was uh, targeted people with intellectual disability and also had an op shop, very popular, as I said. It did a lot of things like um, stuffing envelopes for mail outs and um, gluing, um, gluing names of towns onto cheap tourist souvenirs. It, um, but it had a big woodworking business and made uh, things like cherry boxes for the local orchards. Uh, the other two social enterprises were joined. One was a catering operation, which catered. Um, the other was a, a very diverse gardening business that, that um, worked on a commercial scale, also held a weekly farmer's market and had um, some artists working out of its, its garden. So, so the enterprises were quite diverse um, and uh, tackled um, disadvantage in, in fairly different ways. Uh, now I can start to talk about some of the results, if, if that would suit you, Vincent. I can see a smile, so I'll, I'll, I'll keep going. So 
what is it about the dual social and economic mission and how does it work for social enterprises? Well, we found that our social enterprises, which were chosen, I should, should perhaps put this in first, they were chosen slightly for convenience reasons. They were enterprises we'd worked with. Um, we knew them and we knew they were interested in research. So general, the, um, the general um, you know, limitations warning on qualitative research, which this really is, is that they're not necessarily representative of all um, enterprises. However, their characteristics are typical of the sizes and numbers and the sorts of things that enterprises in regional cities do. So they are, they are representative from that, um, that perspective. But we found that the social enterprises all saw themselves as part of the mainstream economy of their cities. And that was, that was a bit of a surprise. And we also found that other businesses in their cities recognised that they had an economic role as well. We found that the leaders of the social enterprises joined things like typically city business associations, chambers of commerce or whatever they happen to be called in their city. Um, they also worked quite closely with their local governments. So they established and legitim they legitimised their place in the city. But but they we've got a great quote in the paper. Um, actually, I, I think I'll even uh, it's very short. I'll read it. This is from from one of the social uh, the leaders of a social enterprise. This one employed um, intellectually disabled people. One of the things that we really worked on over the last ten years or so is creating a profile which sends a very clear message to stakeholders, the media, and the, to the community that people with a disability have a skill and have a value which makes a contribution to the community. They're not takers, they're givers. We're a key part of a commercial supply chain. We're also a major employer um, in a town which doesn't have very many large employers. So, you, and, and that, was, that was typical from the point of view of the social enterprises. So we, we um, I should talk a little bit about the methodology. I know you're going to ask me a bit, a bit about that later, but let's just talk about that now. So we spent some time in the social enterprises. We're very keen to get the voice of the participants, um, which raised uh, ethical issues, of course, because some of these people did have intellectual disability classified as vulnerable. So we worked very carefully with the social enterprises. We, um, we spent some time observing in each social enterprise, partly to get the participants used to having us around for a bit, but we made field notes and took photos and that sort of thing. And then we took the participants on what are called go-along interviews. They've been used in health previously. Uh, and so the participants would we'd walk along with, alongside them with a tape recorder. We tried a GoPro, but that was one of the things that didn't really work. Um, GoPro was a bit, it's just a bit too cumbersome. So a, a mobile phone camera and um, a recorder. And we said to them, oh, you know, tell us about this patch of garden. And the participant would, would it might have only been one or two word answers. We might say, did you help dig this patch? And they'd say, yes. Um, and then but you get, you gradually see things. You take photographs of things that were important to the person as well. So here's a bench, I helped build the bench, that kind of thing. So we got rich data that way. We also interviewed the staff, um, the supervisory staff, if you like, in the social enterprise. A lot of the social enterprise participants were paid employees. 
but there was another level of uh, staff who supervised them, if you like. We interviewed those um, and we interviewed uh, key, what we call community informants, because we wanted to get that perspective of the city, which I, I want to really want to come back to. So some of the, the interesting things were what the people in the city said about the social enterprises. So yes, they saw them as part of the, the mainstream business. Some of them, so we had people from chambers of commerce, from local government, from some of their larger business um, customers. Um, one of them uh, had a state government department and one of their jobs was uh, cleaning the the big uh, road move, you know, road um, machinery, and as well as cars and things. So we interviewed people like that, and we also interviewed some of the the, the customers who were more uh, small end. So they might have bought veggies from the veggie box scheme or something. And so some of them said to us, "Well, actually, when we started dealing with social this social enterprise, it was really what we might call a uh, social responsibility motivation. You know, we, we kind of thought we should." But then we discovered that what we were getting from them was um, at least as good as what we could get elsewhere and crucially more customised to what we needed. So we had somebody who wanted to do a letterbox drop in only a particular part of the regional city and Australia Post, our government postal service, couldn't do that. They could only do a larger bit or a bit of this. They couldn't do a bit of this and a bit of that, but um, social enterprise can. The one that had the woodworking business um, designed some tables for a, an annual food and veg, a veg a food and um, wine festival that the city holds. But it was a co-design process with the committee from the festival. And they said they couldn't get that anywhere else. They, they could get something off the shelf from a commercial place, but they couldn't work with somebody to say, no, we want it this long and this high and like this. And so we can pack it up like that. So these social enterprises, they were yes, they were commercial and they could do your commercial, um, you know, stuffing envelopes and and um, woodwork, but they could also make these niche products. The gardening business, we heard from some of the restaurateurs and they said, look, the herbs we get from them are fresher, suit our needs much better than the market. Okay, so what's the theory behind this? We really wanted to work out how was it that these social enterprises created the benefits for the employees and what they did for their regional cities. So we, we developed a social capital analytical framework, which is um, which you can read about in the paper. But we developed it by looking at the social enterprise literature as well. And we came up with a model that um, looked at the mainstream economy and the social mission and the way that um, the um, people who are familiar with social capital understand bridging networks, so meso-level bridging networks. So the, the business associations uh, that the social enterprises belong to were used to access customers that delivered benefits. From the city's point of view though, they said, well, look, a lot of these people were on um, the governance bodies of the social enterprises, so they interacted at, at that level as well. And they found that in the social enterprise and in on the governance bodies and in the um, business associations, they were making, there was a, a, a space, the, the, they made a space of these multiple overlapping networks. It was a space to talk about both the economic and social issues of the regional city. So if you think about it, a regional city 
is is very much a place where people they work yes but they live as well and they play um, the title of this journal has regional development in it sometimes you hear about regional economic development but these people were interested in regional social and economic development and maybe environmental but we didn't go there so it was this overlap of the social and the economic that, that people say well what does our city really need so one of our city informants talked about how the um, the city got together and applied for a big government grant that cut across quite a few social and economic um, aspects of the community. And if I said what it was, it identify the city, so I can't. But he said, look, if it wasn't for the overlapping networks and, and the social enterprises, and we were able to include the social enterprise in this project, we wouldn't have got the funds and we wouldn't have got it. And it was a story we heard um, again and again that, that these social enterprise networks created spaces where people came to talk and think slightly differently and, and holistically about uh, economic and social. Um, and that for me is uh, one of the most interesting things and perhaps one of the most practical things that, um, that came out of the project. What are the what main are contributions uh, or maybe what is the main contribution of, of your paper? Well, there are a couple of, there, I think in the paper, if you read the paper, it says we have three contributions. I think the, the one we've listed thirds is, is the main one. And, and that's, that's, that's really about the fact that social enterprises have a dual social and economic mission. They are embedded in their local place. And proactive leaders of social enterprises and other places, parts of the city can um, use multiple networks with overlapping membership to generate this space that I just talked about, which generates benefits to the regional cities. I mean, we, we did develop a, um, an analytical framework that combines the literature, and that certainly is a contribution. And it's something that we'd like other people to test. Um, and then we applied that to these four social enterprises with a few methodological innovations, including those um, go along interviews. So that that really exposed the, the the workings of how the social enterprises went about um, generating benefits, and, and it was all about using networks, drawing people in, customizing what you delivered because you understood your place. So using your place resources, but also filling a need in your in your place with um, with the products and services that you produced. What was for you the main theoretical or maybe methodological challenge in addressing such a question? Yeah, well, I've talked about the methodological challenge of getting the voice of the participants already. And uh, we we're very pleased with the combination of taking our time and um, being in the social enterprise um, and the go-along interviews. And another um, another thing we, we did as part of our methodology was take what we'd found, not so much about this bit of the project, but about the, um, the spaces of well-being within social enterprises. We took that back to the four social enterprises and we thought, well, how are we going to do this? We want to ask the participants what they thought. And we came up with um, uh, big coloured bits of uh, paper that said, this space we think is a space where there's integration happening. This is a space where we think you're developing skills and capability. And we put these on top of maps of their of their their place. And the participants in the social enterprise, you know, the intellectually disabled people and marginalised people, 
really engaged with that. But so did the um, the staff of the social enterprise. So the managers got really excited, were moving bits around, and they were saying, oh, now look, if we change what we do a little bit more, we can actually make this space work. And one of them, one of them we found, um, this is not again on the topic of the paper, but possibly interesting, that the only place of, uh, of safety and security in the social enterprise was the toilets. And the people in the social, the, the staff said, really? Oh, yes, maybe it is, but we're meant to offer a safe and secure workplace. We better do something about this. Where else can we put this space? So uh, that was a, that was a, um, a challenge that, that we thought we, we overcame really well. And, and it really added something, uh, something, something different to the project. During your uh, research journey, what was your biggest surprise or maybe the most counterintuitive result? Well, I suppose the some of the, the well, the, the most difficult thing was probably developing the theoretical framework. That was the biggest grunt grunt work, uh, and the go along interviews. So surprises, well, to some extent, the the way that social enterprises were really accepted into their cities, into the mainstream economy, and the 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 fair the the, the, the passion with which they felt that they were part of their mainstream economy. Um, the benefits, I mean, I, in my, um, I, I always enjoy putting my research into practice and I've, I've spent time in a few regional areas of Australia and I've experimented with my, my social capital understanding in regional development in a couple of places. Uh, so I had some idea of what to expect, but I hadn't really, really experimented with social capital and social enterprises in my um uh, offline uh, community roles, um, though there was a hint of it, and and for me that that was one of the biggest surprises. Um, and I know you're going to ask me about the implications yes, later. Yes, what are those the main implications? Um, to that. Do you want to do you want to move on to that? Yes, <laughs> please. Well, what are the main implications of of your work <laughs> for entrepreneurs, community managers, cities? Yes, well, yeah, they are. So if if we if we go straight to the to the cities, look, embrace your social enterprises. Make sure that they are included. Cultivate them. Go out of your way to make to get onto the the governance bodies of them because they they will bring you benefits that you you just you had no idea. For the social enterprise leaders, or for, well, let's go first to the commercial and uh, other customer businesses. Look. Try out the products. You'll be surprised at how flexible social enterprises are. Um, it's fine to go along with a social responsibility motivation, but um, be prepared to be surprised by the quality of, of what you get. But for the, the social enterprises themselves, the leaders, they really, the four that we um, encountered, they really did embrace their dual social and economic mission. Now, we're not sure whether every social enterprise does that. So one clear message is embrace your dual social and economic mission. Be proactive and step step um, boldly into the local marketplace and to the business community and um, recognise the, the value of what you can bring to your regional city. Great. Thanks a lot, Sue, for sharing uh, your comments on your uh, paper entitled Social Enterprises and Regional Cities Working Together for Mutual Benefits. 
All our podcasts are available on entrepreneurship-erd.com and on the main podcast platforms.